BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Stacking the Box. Uh, it's Ian McMillan here. I'm joined at the start of the show by Mike Luciano. Uh, I promise uh, this wasn't uh, planned, uh, but this is the perfect uh, guy to have on for the show. Uh, for the first half, it's Sterling Holmes will be joining me in the second half. But uh, Mike, uh, obviously a big Jets fan after last night's game. I'm excited to talk to him about this past week. A lot of storylines uh, in the NFL after week one. Uh, that we got to get through, and then we're going to end the show. Uh, hopefully, Sterling will be here by that point to preview uh, week two a little bit. So, Mike, we are going to talk about the Jets, but really quick, just how do you feel right now? I'm going to steal a line that I had from uh, the Jet Press podcast when we went live after. Imagine that you know you're finally getting married, and it's your great things happening in your wedding day. And then somebody pulls out a revolver and shoots your uncle. And it ruins the mood. That's what happened in front of 80,000 people and millions watching live. Four plays. Four, Four plays. plays. He didn't have a great drive and throw a touchdown, and then it happened. Four plays. And yeah, it, it, it was tough, obviously. for I mean, I'm sure everyone who's watching this knows, but Aaron Rodgers, four plays in his career. The Jets has suffered an, a season-ending uh, torn Achilles. He's done for the year. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's kind of next for the Jets. Uh, but before we get into the show here, a uh, quick word from DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, they have upgraded their sign-up offer for a limited time. If you're a new user, you can receive $200 in bonus bets by following just three steps. Number one, create an account. Number two, make a deposit. Number three, wager uh, $5 or more on any sport. And whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $200 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code STB. That stands for stacking the box, code STB when you sign up. The best part is using our code STB not only gets you the bonus, but it also supports the podcast. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, Use our code STB to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And we will give out some picks at the end of the show. I will let you know if you tailed our picks last week, mine and Sterling's, uh, you would have won some money because uh, we did very well. I think between the two of us, I think we only lost one bet last week uh, from the ones that we gave out on the show. So stick around. We'll give that out. 
um, at the end of the show. But uh, we do want to recap week one here a little bit, especially with all the storylines. We'll start, as we always do, with the biggest winners and losers from week one. Mike, why don't you start us off? Because I still got to send out a tweet to let people know that we're live. So uh, who is your biggest winner for NFL week one? Well, it's very clearly Mike McDaniel, a guy mm. who I, I've had my doubts about Tua Tagovailoa and just the Dolphins offense as a whole and what they could kind of be this year. I mean, Mike McDaniel emphatically shutting me up, especially against the Chargers team, where if you remember last year, they were the one team that gave Tua and that offense and Tyree Kill a lot of problems. I think Tua was like 10 of 28 at one point in that game. That seemed like it was going to be his nemesis. And he put on, I'm not even exaggerating, one of the best week one offensive performances in NFL history. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa, I mean, that was the best game of his life. He couldn't miss. And part of that, too, is Mike McDaniel coming up with a lot of clever ways to get Tyreek Hill in single coverage and just let him use that speed and burn up the track. Big credit to Mike McDaniel, who now, considering the Rodgers injury and how shaky Josh Allen looked, and with teams like Cincinnati looking awful in week one and Kansas City showing they have holes, I don't think it's an exaggeration right now to say I think Miami, with one or two more strong weeks, could vault themselves into being a Super Bowl contender very easily. Yes, and I believe, Tua, you mentioned there, uh, one of the greatest week one performances of all time. I believe I saw that it was the third most passing yards in a week one performance. I think uh, the only people who uh, rank above him, I think Tom Brady in... I forget which year, one of Tom Brady's years. And uh, ironically, uh, ironically, a fellow Dolphins, Dan Marino, in 97. That's a guess, sometime in the 90s. Uh, so, yeah, great uh, performance by Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins. So I agree with you, Mike McDaniel. Big winner uh, in week one. My biggest winner is a guy who, on the Offensive Rookie of the Year odds, has gone from uh, 125 to 1 all the way to 21 to 1 in one single week, and that is the Rams receiver, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Puka Nakua uh, from BYU, who was a fifth-round pick, I believe he was. It's uh, a sin he went that low. He was so good in college. Yes, he did have some issues staying healthy in college, but when he played, he was very good. He went uh, 177th overall from BYU to the LA Rams. Rams obviously have had some injury issues at wide out with Cooper Cup, who is out uh, for at least four weeks. And Puka Nakua uh, shines in his NFL debut, hauls in 10 catches for 119 yards in his first game. So while all the eyes were on uh, other rookies like Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, uh, Jordan Addison, you know, all the other plethora of rookies in the NFL. It's the fifth round pick to BYU who shines the brightest, like I said, all the way up to 21 to one to win offensive rookie of the year from 125 to one, which is where he was preseason. I wish I sprinkled on that. Uh, so my biggest winner of the week, uh, Rams rookie receiver Puka Nakua. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I believe you are. All right, good. That's a first. All right, Mike, your biggest loser of week one of the NFL. It's got to be Ryan Tannehill in a year where the heat is really on. Malik Willis is ahead of Will Levis, showing that he's really improved. And Will Levis is still there, number 33 overall pick. I'd imagine at some point Will Levis is going to see some time with the Tennessee Titans. So they're letting Ryan Tannehill know, like, we are running out. You're running out of road here, man. And then he goes uh, week one against the Saints. That defense on the road against Derek Carr, who was playing pretty well, holds them to 16 points. Yeah. You should win that game. Instead, they only end up with 15, all five of which were field goals. 
and Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions. Any any other quarterback performance, maybe outside of Daniel Jones in week one, they and Burrow win, wins that game for the Titans. Yeah, I think it's not- where I still think the Jaguars are the best team in the division. The, the Titans, I thought, were going to compete for a wild card spot because every year when he was healthy, Tannehill, they seemed to compete. It was when he got hurt that's when they really fell apart. And then what do you know? Here comes here comes Ryan Tannehill just stinking up the joint, and it makes you wonder like how, how much does he have left? Because he's older. I think he's thirty four. We might be seeing the last of Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I was very low actually on the Titans this year because of Ryan Tannehill, and he kind of proved me right in week one. Uh, I mean, they can't win games on defense and in, in, in a running game, not in today's day and age. Need a quarterback to at least make some throws or at the very least not turn the ball over. Uh, but Ryan Tannehill, uh, it looks like it's time to move on from him. So I agree with that for the biggest loser. Uh, my biggest loser of the week are Giants fans who went to the game on Sunday night uh, and myself who also went to the game. Not a Giants fan, but I went to the game. Uh, what an absolute disaster. I have ne- In my life of a sports fan, I've never left a live sporting event early. I always think if you pay for the ticket, you should stay until the end. And I left halfway through the second quarter. It was that bad. Uh, vibes were high. Queen Latifah national anthem, fireworks, lights were off, big American flag. Giants first, like six, seven plays of the, of the opening drive was electric. Giants fans were high-fiving. Vibes were high. And then it started to downpour. And then they got had a field goal blocked return for a touchdown. And then they had a fumble interception type play where the Cowboys returned for a touchdown. And before I knew it, I was sitting there in the soaking rain uh, and it was 26 nothing for the Cowboys. Uh, they also ran out of ponchos, not enough ponchos for the fans there. Uh, so I waited in line for 10 minutes to buy a poncho, which apparently they were selling for 50 bucks. Uh, and then oh, by, the time I, by the time I got to the front of the line, they were sold out. So no poncho for me. Uh, a nice lady who was selling beer uh, gave me a clear garbage bag to put over my head. Uh, that worked for a little bit. I just ripped a hole in it to stick my face out. Uh, I ended up getting a little cocky, though, and I tried to rip myself arm holes as well. And when I did that, the entire garbage bag just fell apart. So, well, yeah, it's a garbage uh, bag. It's not yeah. designed for for Correct. weather protection. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I left halfway through the second quarter. It's 26 nothing. So uh, that was a waste of money for anyone who went to the game. I do have a, a, an unbelievable amount of respect for any Giants fan who stayed at that game because there were some uh, to sit in the pouring rain and watch your team lose 40 nothing and what might have been the biggest ass kicking in NFL history. And then just to sit there in misery and boo your team. I got to respect those people. The only other time I left really early in a game like that, I remember I was at a Yankees Red Sox playoff game. I think it was 2018 and the Red Sox went up 11 to one in the fourth inning. I'm like, all right, I I can't do this. If it's 11 to one in the fourth inning, I'm like, all right. So I, I, I get, I get you. I feel you. I think as a fan, if I was a Giants fan, I think you have to sit through it. I think you just have to take your lashing and just sit through it as a fan of the team. But me being a third party viewer, a Falcons fan, I had no connection to either team. I think, I, I think I'm allowed to leave early, but um, last year I was at a Blue Jays game against the Angels. They lost 15 to one and I watched every pitch. I think as a fan of the team, I think you just got to sit there. Oh, we lost Mike. Mike, come back. Uh, so that was biggest winners and losers, uh, top story of the, uh, of the week. And, uh, I th- maybe Mike m- might've left here on purpose because the top story of the week is, uh, Aaron Rodgers hurt. What's going on at MetLife? Uh, the most cursed stadium of all time. Mike, I thought you might've left on purpose cause we were just about to talk about the jets. I, I don't, I didn't even have a, any of my bars drop. 
I don't know what that was. Uh, all right. Gonna, I, maybe I have 30 tabs open. Maybe if I close some of that. So you didn't leave on purpose because we're both talking. With I the did Jets. not leave on purpose. Uh, it yeah. seemed like a little bit there. MetLife was cursed after what happened with the Giants on Sunday night. Then what happened to the Jets? Uh, Aaron Rodgers four plays into his Jets debut uh, after being the story of the offseason. That's all we heard about was uh, Aaron Rodgers all offseason. Four plays into it. Tears his Achilles. Now the Jets do come back to win on a walk-off punt return touchdown in overtime. But Mike, can you even celebrate that win knowing that Aaron Rodgers is done for the season? Well, no, because the season's over. Like as, as much as I want to like put a positive spin on it, I mean, we literally saw this exact same thing happen last year. It's just there's no Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, and there's Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. That's the so, only difference. And, and they got Dalvin Cook, who's washed. So... I mean, and like Brees Hall is going to be fine. I know people try to act like the offensive night. line's horrible. Like it's better than people think it is. The Rodgers play wasn't like an indictment on the offensive line. It was just kind of a fluky thing where he landed weird and Leonard Floyd kind of landed on him awkwardly. Like that wasn't some grand indictment of how bad the offense was. It's just one of those fluky plays. But I mean, this is just, this is cruel. That's the word I keep coming back to. This is mm. cruel. After all that, all that pomp and circumstance, then we're right back to square one. Same exact as last year. Well, this is a really good roster, and if Zach Wilson doesn't play like the worst quarterback in the league, Zach Wilson's going to kill this team. He's been being told the same things for three years now from two different coaching staffs. If if I took that, that Bills game and I contrasted it with some of the Bills games last year, and I said, all right, which one is from 2023? with a new staff and Aaron Rodgers, you would not be able to tell the difference. The exact same things. He's skipping screens. He's overthrowing. He's backpedaling. Remember that one play was third and 10 on the 25 and he backpedaled and ended up in Jets territory because he just kept running backwards. That's what, that's what he is. If he hasn't understood these things after three years, he's not going to understand them. He just doesn't have the football capacity to do so. So, like I'm seeing guys throw options out there for backup quarterbacks and most of them are unrealistic. Cause if you have a good backup quarterback, number one, you know, the jets are desperate and you can ask them for whatever they want. And number two, if you have a guy, like I saw the high end backups mentioned, you know, like Jacoby Brissett or Matt Ryan, even Matt, Matt Ryan did not even try. I saw some people say Nick Foles. I'm like, are right, you guys Philip rivers? Desperate. Yeah. People did say Philip rivers. Like it was that bring him, bring one him guy in. in the jet press stream said Ben DiNucci. That's how bad it was getting, but okay, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did like you, if they have like a Brissette or a Minshew or something like that, they're not going to give it up for the jets. Complete so, side note, but I heard a rumor that if the 49ers beat the Eagles in the NFC championship game with no quarterbacks last year, they were planning on signing Philip rivers to start for them in, in the super bowl. How bananas would that have been? <laughs> um, I I I want the Jets to bring in one of the old guys, bring in Philip Rivers, bring in bring in Matt Ryan one more year. I especially want I want Matt Ryan. Obviously, I'm a Matt Ryan uh, guy. Uh, he was my guy for what 15 years. Uh, I would love to see Matt Ryan get one more chance. So, but I, th- I think you answered my question, which is: Can the Jets win without Aaron Rodgers? With Zach Wilson, is their defense good enough? Is their run game good enough? Do they have any chance to win with Zach Wilson? Well, they're, the defense has to give up. They gave up 16 points last night. That may not win them a lot of games. The defense gave up three points against New England and lost. 
because Zach Wilson got three, and then there was a punt return touchdown. Right. So sometimes three points is not good enough when you have Zach Wilson. Right, because last year they had a top three defense in the NFL, second-best scoring defense in the, in, in the NFL, allowed only 18.6 points per game last season, and they still didn't make the playoffs. Seven and ten. Seven and ten. Plus, look at the schedule. <laughs> it would be one thing if they had – later in the year the schedule gets easier. Next five games, Dallas at Dallas. Zach Wilson, I don't know if he's going to live through that game. New right. England, he has eight picks in four games against New England. Then he plays the Chiefs. They're going to be pissed off after being 0-1 and Patrick Mahomes. Zach Wilson's not going to go shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes. Then you get Denver at Denver, which for all their fault, the defense is good. You get the altitude. Jets historically don't play well in Denver. Eagles, that'll be an ass kicking. And then the bye. So Where, Where's the win? Where's the win in that game? In that what, do you, what do you want? the Jets to do? Do you want them to just ride it out with Zach Wilson or do you want them to try to pick someone up? Here are the only, there are only three quarterbacks that I think are semi-realistic and could really offer the Jets a huge short-term upgrade with even a chance that maybe in 2024, something will, something will happen. Cause honestly, I think Rogers, there's a good chance he's done. He's going to be 40 going on 41 next year off an Achilles tear. Yeah. I mean that I think that might be currents for him as, as, as much as it sucks and he didn't get to go on on his own terms, you got you got to think that way. There are three guys that I think they should at least consider. Number one is the pie in the sky long shot. You got to call about Kyler Murray. Oh, I if, thought you were gonna okay. If the, if the, no, I know right. Tom Brady. Not, I thought you were gonna say Tom Brady. If because if the Cardinals are on, are all in on Caleb Williams, that they're in on this tank and they don't want to have Kyler play for them because if in, he gets injured, then there's a bunch of guaranteed money that triggers. Like. I know he's not going to play immediately, but at least give him a call and say, hey, you know, we don't know if Rodgers is even going to be what he was in 2024. If we get Kyler, that can be a guy for a couple of years. We've seen him be a Pro Bowl quarterback. You, you, like you at least check in. It's unlikely. You at least check in. All right. Number two, this guy is a backup that you could trade for right now. And my uh, guy Justin on the Jet Press has been hammering this guy. And that's Jameis Winston, where <laughs> Jameis has – Okay. James Winston right now is five times better than Zach Wilson will ever be. Oh, that's five times. That, that, that's a bit of a stretch. No, there's a reason why James Winston's the backup fans will see now. Like, all right, they think Zach Wilson's bad. Like the level of how he can't operate. It, it, it will shock you. He has 18 touchdowns. I think in 22 games passing in the NFL, like now 2023, 18 and 22 games with more picks than that. So that's, that's preposterous. Jameis gives you strong arm, can pick up an offense quickly because he's bounced around a little bit. Big, strong guy, can move a little bit. He's not like a running quarterback, but he's definitely mobile and can escape from guys. It, 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 he would give you a much better chance than Zach Wilson ever will. Plus, he's got a strong arm. Like That's the one thing Wilson has going for him is the arm strength. Jameis has an equally strong arm. Okay, then, number three. The free agent option, which is Carson Wentz. Oh, and, wouldn't okay. you rather? Wouldn't you rather Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers over? No, Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz is better. Are you kidding me? The, Carson Wentz. I compared him to. I compared him on the Jet Press to Nickelback, as a band. Where oh right. no, 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 no! Kirk Cousins is the Nickelback no, of the NFL. It's, Carson it's, Wentz. I don't. Stinks. I don't think Nickelback's an amazing band, but they're not. Like, why are they the one everyone makes fun of? Carson Wentz stinks. 27 touchdowns and seven picks. He's a year removed from that. Zach Wilson will never do that in his career. 
Zach Wilson yeah, last year, more. last year he went two and five, 11 touchdowns, nine picks and a QBR of 32.9 QBR is a flimsy stack. Cause I'm not sure about the grading thing about that. And also too, I think like three or four of the picks came in one game, like near the end of the year when they were out of it, because Heineke got hurt. Like, again, I'm not saying Wentz is going to be the next franchise quarterback, but it's a lot of the Jameis things. Big, strong arm, experienced guy, very mobile. And you know what? If guys are open, Carson Wentz will throw to an open guy. He won't run backwards 20 yards like Zach Wilson will. Well, he'll throw it in his direction. Zach uh, is it going to land in the receiver's hands, 50. or is it going to land in the defender's hands, or is it going to land on the turf five yards before the receiver? Carson Wentz, I believe, had like a sixty-seven percent completion. Like you get him in a you get him in a system that he likes. He's pretty. He can he can a, a, operate at a pretty efficient level. I would much rather Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers. Matt Ryan can't move. Philip Rivers can't move. Yeah. And this offensive line, I know it's not as bad as people I think think it is. It's still they still got some holes. Zach All right, so at least move. So um, your top three, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz. If it's not one of those three, just roll with Zach Wilson and see what happens. I mean, would you go with Zach Wilson? Uh, or let's say Matt Ryan's staying in the booth because I think that's probably likely. Yeah. What would you do? I, I like the Kyler Murray option. I hadn't thought of that. But I, yeah, I think you might just need to kind of bite the bullet and roll with Zach Wilson. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will be on the sideline and coach can, can coach Zach Wilson up and maybe fix him. Well, you you can coach guys up. How do you how do you coach a guy to say don't run backwards thirty yards? You know, don't well, overthrow a guy by ten yards. Like these are things that it's it's hard to coach, man. It's hard to. Coach. It is at least your boy Ritter for all his faults sees a guy open short. He throws it to him. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean he did. He had completed like eighty five percent of passes. They're just all like two yard throws. Um, yeah, so can't do that. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be interesting what's going to happen with the Jets here uh, in the coming weeks for sure. Who, who do they got this week? The Cowboys this week. The line went from three and a half uh, point favorites for the Cowboys now up to seven and a half. So things are not looking good. Also, their Super Bowl odds went from 18 to one down to 50 to one. So oh. things aren't looking good in New York for either team. Bad time to be a New York sports fan. That's for sure. Let's uh, move on to the next topic here. A new segment I'm introducing overreact or underreact. I'm going to list off some scenarios. Mike, you let me know if you're overreacting or underreacting to what happened in week one. Let's start off. Let's stay in the city of New York. Uh, are you overreacting or underreacting to, I guess this is a two-part question. Number one, are, are the Cowboys as good as a 40 to one victory showed and, or are the Giants as bad as a 40 to nothing victory or loss shows? Are you overreacting to that game or underreacting? I'm going to probably just say underreact just because I don't think the Cowboys are that good. The Giants are that bad, but I don't want that yes. to be said from the from the perspective of somebody who said, well, actually, you know, Daniel Jones, it was all the offensive lines fault. There was a couple things here or there. It's like, no, there are some serious concerns about the Giants, like more so than I thought there would be. So, yeah, I don't think it's time to go put the Giants in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes right now. No. And I don't think the Cowboys should go be you know planning trips to vegas for the super bowl right but you can't look at a game that i don't care how it arrived at a 40 to nothing score you can't look, look at that game and not say there are some major 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 issues structurally with the giants and daniel yeah, jones there are some issues but also i think in sports sometimes i think and and rarely in a game everything that can go bad goes bad and i think that's what happened for the giants i mean to have your opening kick uh your first field goal be blocked or turn for a touchdown 
next possession, a ball is in Saquon Barkley's hands, and it just I don't even really remember what happened. It slipped out right into a Cowboys defender's hands. Defender like hit it with his helmet and popped it up. And and then he just waltzed in the end zone. I mean, those those are things that are just more bad luck more than anything else. And then after that, it was just a downward spiral. It was pouring rain. It was a disaster. Um, So, yeah, I'm underreacting to that. I do have to say, though, because I I do think this was the biggest ass kicking in NFL history. Uh, The Athletic tweeted this out. uh, No team has ever lost 40 nothing or worse. Lost the sack battle seven nothing or worse. Lost the turnover three nothing or worse. Had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and threw pick six in the same season. The Giants did that all in one game. The the only game I can remember being a worse ass kicking that I saw happen live was I remember it was like a like a blizzard and the Patriots were playing the Titans in the old AFL throwbacks. And yes, they won like fifty nine to nothing. Yes. I remember that game as well. That's a legendary game. Wes Welker doing uh, Snow Angels after yeah. scoring. A I believe Kerry Collins had like four yards passing. I mean, that might be that might be the only other That's one. Up that, there. And I believe um, Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, when I sorry, Bud Carson when he left the Steelers and became the Browns head coach. His first game against Chuck Knoll's old team, they beat him fifty-one nothing in Week One. I yeah, mean, that's up there. It's up there. Um, all right, I think Sterling is back, uh, and this actually might be a good time to bring him in because I do want to talk to him about some Chiefs issues from Thursday night, and that Thursday night football game uh, feels like it was three weeks ago by now, but it was a week one game. Uh, there is Sterling himself. Uh, Mike, thank you for joining us. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about uh, any final comment about the Jets before we let you go, Mike? Welcome to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. Why did, why did I why did I think I could feel joy? Yeah, I feel that. What I what was I that. thinking? Silly me. Are we talking about Mizzou football? Yeah, pretty much the same. We're talking about we the Winnipeg about? Jets. That's yeah. what we're <laughs> All right, Mike, take care. Thanks for having on. Sterling, welcome to the show, my friend. What's going howdy, on? Howdy, howdy. Uh just got done with a cool interview with Dan Marino. Uh went awesome. So fun talking to him. He's such a joy to talk to. Make sure I got a couple of Ace Ventura questions in there as well. Um, you know, he's doing a new Pepsi unretirement thing. Had to let him know that his acting chops probably came from Ace Ventura. And so it was really, really enjoyable talking to NFL Hall of Famer Dan Marino. Beautiful. Dan Marino has already got a shout out on the show for uh, two and now third all time in uh, week one passing yards. And I believe first of all, all time or second all time is Dan Marino. Um, so, yeah, if you're actually listening to the audio version of this show, uh, we're going to play that interview for you uh, at the very end. So stay tuned for that. Sterling, you came on at the perfect time. We're doing a new segment, overreact or underreact. Uh, and uh, I wanted to bring up the Chiefs receivers who um, I don't know if I've seen a performance, a single performance by one player at the position of receiver as bad as Kadarius Tony had on opening night for the Chiefs. Are you overreacting or underreacting to the terrible performance, not just by him, but the entire Chiefs receiving core? Oh, man. Good question. Um, I think I overreacted in the moment, but I think there's an overreaction still going on right now. And I think it's time to pump the brakes just a little bit here. Mm. Um, Kadarius Tony, just a few months ago, helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. He was a factor in the Super Bowl victory, right? So to all of a sudden say he's a bum, he's a bust, get him out of here, I think is a little bit... Uh, I like a Boston fan. 
right? That that's something that like the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees would say. Oh, he's a bum. Get him out what of a here. Sh- what a what a what a shot at Boston fans. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'll, York, I'll support but, it, but I mean, come on. Uh, not Patriots fans necessarily. I'm thinking more Red Sox and Yankees. Just you know, um, sure. Come on now. But but what I will say is it was a horrendous. Just absolutely horrendous performance by Kadarius Tony, especially Sky Moore. Quite frankly, was also horrendous, but yes. he's not even getting thrown at the bus as much because Tony was that bad. If Tony played as a defensive back that game and just knocked every single pass down, the Chiefs win. Yeah, think of that. If he literally knocked every single pass down, the Chiefs would have won that game. Not yep. only that, he had a, an opportunity to bounce back. He had an opportunity to right the wrongs, to have this redemption arc throughout this game. And he looked like he did not want to be out there. That ball was thrown his way to get the Chiefs into field goal position, and he just alligator armed it. I, I almost wanted to say the lights were too bright, but again, he just performed well in a Super Bowl. I think I chalked this down to he was injured, didn't go through training camp, missed a lot of OTAs, the preseason games. He was thrown into action. He just was not right. He was not. Even if he was fully healthy, he wasn't in game shape. And I think that was the biggest issue here. Sky Moore, I don't have that excuse for. Sky Moore, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a case of you see Kadarius Tony do it, so then all of a sudden it just trickles down and all these younger players have the drops, have the yips. But it was just a horrendous performance by the Chiefs wide receivers. But I will say, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on this. I can't be as someone who was so thrilled during training camp. I was there watching them during training camp during the preseason and then all of a sudden after one bad game say they're a bunch of busts i can't go that far i'm gonna pump the brakes just a little bit i am glad you brought up sky Moore because Kadarius tony is uh getting the blunt of the of of the uh blame here but i actually i i agree with you i thought i was actually almost just as disappointed in sky Moore than i was with tony so uh i mean i'm, I'm glad you brought that up uh i agree it's one game but also i think it really showed how important it is to have travis kelsey in that lineup as well uh, and and I, will, I will say just briefly, the entire talk of preseason was all these young guys. Now, I will say Rasheed Rice had a drop, and then he bounced back with the touchdown, first touchdown in his NFL career, great for him. But there was zero talk about MVS or Justin Watson, or should I say zero positive talk about those right. two. Those were the Chiefs' two leading wide receivers, and quite frankly, they're the two best Chiefs receivers in that game. You saw why Justin Watson made this roster back about all three spots, but he also drew a massive deep pass interference call using his veteran mindset to draw that. And then MVS is just consistent. You know what you're going to get with him. Two receptions, 48 yards, get a deep ball, brings it in, had a huge catch. I mean, he got popped, but he still was able to hold on to the, to, to the rock. Um, those two guys – those veterans are going to be massive as this chief season goes along because you don't know with these young cats what they're going to bring to the table, game in and game out. I agree. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Over or underreact to the Bears' bad loss to the Packers. The uh, line was basically set as at a pick em. Sterling, we've talked about this Bears team, specifically Justin Fields, all offseason. One of the most bet-on players to win NFL MVP this year. Oh, he has DJ Moore now. He has a weapon. Oh, this Bears team is going to be good. Their win total was all the way up at seven and a half after winning only three games last year. And then uh, they get uh, just beat down by the Packers. Justin Fields uh, goes 24 for 37 to only 216 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Are we overreacting or underreacting to the Bears week one performance? I think underreacting. I think we need to react more. 
Mm. Maybe not you and me personally, because this is kind of what we thought the Bears were going to be. This is similar to what we thought Justin Fields was going to be. But I think the general public has given Justin Fields too much of a pass. I think they've just they've seen the fantasy football numbers and they've equated that to that's that's going to translate to NFL progress, NFL success. And it's just not the case. I'm not saying Justin Fields, again, is is give up on him. But my point here was, let's let him get to a top 15 quarterback first. Let's let him get to a top 20 quarterback first before we try putting money on him to win MVP. Let's see a nice progression. We know he's a great athletic um, player. We know he's a great runner. We know that there's at least some arm talent in him, but we've not seen any sort of consistency. And until we do, why were people saying he's going to be a top five quarterback this year? It makes no sense. Yeah, I think we live in a day and age where a lot of people evaluate players, especially quarterbacks, on fantasy points and highlights that are shown on social media. Um, And Justin Fields has both of those. He scores fantasy points because he can run the ball, and he has had some electrifying plays that make great clips on social media. Uh, But when you sit down and watch a Bears game from start to finish, he's not that guy. I just really don't think he is. So, um, yeah, uh, the Bears are who I thought they were. Um, we didn't let him off. We didn't let him off the hook. We didn't let him. And we're not going (laughs) to let him off the hook. Uh, Next up, uh, should we overreact or underreact to the Bengals putting up just three points against the Cleveland Browns? I mean, you got to like this a little bit as a Chiefs guy. You guys have have, have built a little bit of a rivalry with with the Bengals. Talked a lot of trash this offseason. They score three points. I say pump the brakes here. And this is coming from a Chiefs guy. I know Bengals fans were all in my mentions. They were talking about, you know, Juwan Taylor. They were talking about, oh, the Chiefs lost by one to the Detroit Lions. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the high road here, okay? Ooh. I got respect for Joe Burrow. He's a great quarterback. I got respect for this Bengals team. They're a really good team. They did this last year. In the same instance that I'm giving Kadarius Tony a little bit of slack, I'm going to give Joe Burrow some slack as well. He's been injured. Training camp, preseason. I, he hasn't had a full workload. He he is a slow starter. It's like baseball players that don't get hot until the weather warms up. Joe Burrow doesn't get good until the weather cools down. That's mm-hmm. what we've seen with him. And so with Joe Burrow, I have to give him some sort of a reprieve here. He's been too good in his NFL career to all of a sudden say, yeah, he fell off a cliff or this injury is going to hinder him or this is who he actually was and he's been getting lucky now. Joe Burrow is a damn good quarterback. Okay, Joe Burrow was injured. It was very rainy. The weather got in his way. I don't know if he trusted that knee or or the injury based on the weather. Doesn't matter. They'll bounce back. Uh, They started off two and two last year, if I'm not mistaken, the Bengals. And then what happened? Yeah, they were damn good again. Uh, I will say, give the Browns a lot of credit, though. Deshaun Watson didn't play a great game, but he played better than Joe Burrow. Uh, The Browns had a better game plan, and their defense, I think, is legitimately good. Uh, Miles Garrett was all over the place. So I want to give the Browns some credit more so than I want to take the Bengals and say that all of a sudden they're not contenders anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think we saw this last year, as you mentioned, when Joe Burrow missed the preseason with uh, appendicitis. He got started off slow and he figured things out as the season went on. Probably a similar thing now. He's he's a guy who probably needs to play in the preseason and get warmed up a little bit. So I agree. I'm going to underreact to that Bengals week one performance, but I'm also not going to be backing them or betting on them until I do see them turn things around. Uh, or should we overreact or underreact to Tua Tagovailoa's week one performance? Uh, he is now all the way up to being the co-favorite at some places to win NFL MVP after just one week. 
alongside Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as we mentioned a couple times, he threw the third most passing yards in a week one game. Only Dan Marino and Tom Brady have thrown more passing yards in a single week one game. Should we overreact or underreact to that performance? I think the betters are overreacting based on co-favorite to win MVP. I mm. think it's a little bit asinine. But I think people are underreacting to how good he has been when healthy in this Miami Dolphins offense. I don't care what your thoughts are on Tua if he's a game manager. I don't care if you think he's not as talented as Justin Herbert. Again, I don't think he's as talented as Justin Herbert. But was Tom Brady as talented as Aaron Rodgers? Who had more success? It, it was Tom Brady. Sometimes your team, your weapons around you can make a world of difference. Sometimes the scheme, just how you play, take, take care of the ball. Get your ball into the playmaker's hands at the right moment like Tyree Kill. Tua Tagovailoa has been really good in that offense when he's been healthy. So I, I think the majority of fans are underreacting to how talented he is, but I think betters are overreacting. I think we might need to roll back some tape on, on us talking about Tua because I have a memory of when we were power ranking positions and I, Tua, in the top five and you saying there was no way he was a top five quarterback in the NFL. Am I, am I remembering that incorrectly? Hey, um, I say things sometimes that are wrong. <laughs> no, that's, that's a quick turnaround. Can, can I say this? I don't think he's a top five talented quarterback in the NFL. Like, I, I don't know if he moves the needle as much, again, as a Herbert or a Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Like, I don't know if he's as talented as those, as those guys, but how he fits the Miami Dolphins offense is, is perfect. He, he, he works so well in the confines of that offense. He doesn't try and do too much. He gets the ball out quick to his wide receivers so they can make a play with Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. He is almost perfect. Maybe he is perfect for that offense. Like, I love Josh Allen, but Josh Allen might get too greedy. Josh Allen might try too hard to make something happen. Tua Tagovailoa doesn't do that. He understands that offense. He understands that team and what they need of him. I got to give Tua Tagovailoa a ton of credit here. Uh, yeah, I've been a Tua defender. Uh Amongst all quarterbacks who played 10 games last year, he had the best QBR. He was third in quarterback rating behind, I think, only Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. I think it was the two guys ahead of him. I'm a Tua defender, uh, and I feel a little bit vindicated after week one. But obviously, the big question with Tua now is, uh, can he stay healthy? Because after suffering the serious concussions he did last year, all it takes is one bad hit. You never really fully recover from concussions. Uh, you're usually more susceptible to them the more you get. One bad hit, and he could be out for the year. And at this point, if he gets another bad one, he could be that could that could be it for his career. So, uh, I hope he stays healthy because uh, it's fun to watch this Dolphins offense when he's at quarterback. Uh, the final overreactor underreact. Uh, you brought up Josh Allen, who bad performance last night. Do we overreact or, or should we underreact to that performance? Uh, a lot of turnovers. Aaron Rodgers went down four plays into the game. You would think the Bills were going to run away with it. At one point, I saw the Bills were 14.5-point live favorites. They go on to lose the game in overtime on a walk-off punt return. Should we overreact or underreact to that Josh Allen performance? I think we should react more. And this is from a staunch, a staunch Josh Allen supporter. Mm. I was a huge fan. I hitched my wagon to him when he was drafted. When he was at Wyoming, I said, watch out for Josh Allen. This guy's going to be a stud. Took a while. And then he was a stud. I never gave up on him. But this looks like rookie Josh Allen. 
he is so talented, but he gets in his dome. I mean, he gets in his head, and I get the Jets' defense was phenomenal. I want to give a ton of credit to the Jets' defense, by the way. Yes. Quincy and Quinn and Williams, which first off, how cool that the brothers were everywhere. Uh, was it Whitehair or Whitehead on defense? Three interceptions. I mean, he was reading Josh Allen's eyes. Gabe Davis, I got to give some sort of blame to as well. That was a horrendous route, man. He didn't even try. That was brutal. But Josh Allen is way too talented to keep having two, three games a year like this. I get it. It's week one. It's not the playoffs. I understand this. But Josh Allen, I, I kept saying last year, he was injured. Wait till he gets healthy. He's going to bounce back to the Josh Allen he was pre-elbow injury. Yeah, he didn't. He made spectacular plays in this game. He also made plays that you're sitting here going, there is zero reason to even try and force the ball there. Stop it. Um, for everything that Josh Allen is and Tua Tugvaloa isn't, Everything Tua is, Josh Allen isn't. You know what I'm saying? Tua yeah. is the he, he's the the smart player, plays within the confines. Josh Allen, he, he tries to play NFL Street. You remember that 05 uh, back on PS2? That that was Josh Allen last night. He tried to do too much. Uh, Nick Wright tweeted this out. Since week one of 2022, Josh Allen has played 19 games in that time span. He has 20 interceptions and 17 fumbles. So that's 37 picks slash fumbles in 19 games, averaging almost exactly two picks fumbles a game. That's tough. You, you, you can't win consistently when you're turning the ball over that much. He's got to fix it. But it, that's the thing. If he just fixes that issue and he just stops turning the ball over, he's a top three quarterback in the NFL. What I will say, and this is alarming, Brian Dable, when he was there, fixed that issue. Yes. When Brian Dable left, injury-related or not for, for Josh Allen, this has been the, the trend. He goes back to his time when he was a rookie. And if you are a Josh Allen fan, a Buffalo Bills fan, this has to be alarming because I wonder if Brian Dable was that secret sauce, that special guy that kept him from these boneheaded plays because ever since he left, they've been brought back up. Great point. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba.
Uh, let's move on to let's uh, quickly uh, preview some of the biggest games. I think I put in five games here. Just want to get uh, a quick preview for each of them. I think these are probably the top five games of the week here. Starting off with the Thursday night game, uh, Eagle or Vikings against Eagles. Seven points spread all the way up at a touchdown over under 48 and a half. Vikings obviously coming off uh, an upset loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eagles were in danger of losing to the Patriots, uh, but they held on at the end, uh, winning and covering against the Patriots. Uh, what do you think of this Thursday night football game? Man, it's going to be a damn good game. I also like two Thursday night football games. Isn't there two Thursday night football games this week? No, there's I two will. Monday night games. Two Monday night games. I like that. I like having multiple games on a given day. That way, if one's a blowout, you can at least turn to the other one. Um I feel like seven's a little bit generous for the Eagles. I would take the Vikings with the points. Uh, Kirk Cousins actually played pretty darn well in that game, but is that the most Kirk Cousins box score you've ever seen? 344 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Oh, yeah, and only put up 17 points as a team. They're a conundrum, um, but I do think Kirk Cousins, the Vikings, they're better than being seven-point underdogs, even on the road against a the cream of the crop of the yes. NFC. Uh, yeah, I like the Vikings and the points in that one. Week one was one of the the Vikings week one game was probably the most ironic game of all of week one because last year the story of the Vikings were they were like 11-0 and in one score games. They squeaked out all these games. They would get outplayed in games but then still find ways to win them and then all those things the Buccaneers did against them. The Vikings got Vikinged. Um, you say there's regression to the mean with those kinds of stats. And then week one of the next season, that's exactly what we saw. They lose a close one score game. Uh, obviously this Thursday night football game, uh, is a primetime game. Kirk cousins historically has not done well in primetime games as Hunter brings up, not a day game. Uh, I will be betting on the Vikings, but it is making me nervous betting on Kirk cousins in primetime. We will see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, your Chiefs against the Jaguars. I think this might be the game I'm excited for the most uh, in the in the NFL this season. Chiefs uh, need to bounce back after the week one loss. The Jaguars dismantled the Colts. Uh, Three-point spread is at two and a half yesterday morning. Went up to the magic number of three. Jaguars three-point underdogs at home over under 51. How do you feel about the Chiefs? Uh, is Travis Kelsey going to return to the lineup? Can they bounce back? after losing to the Lions. Well, Chris Jones will be back because Chris yes, Jones and the point. Chiefs, they've agreed now on this one-year deal. But I will point out how much will he play in this one. That remains to be seen. Again, I've said it time and time again, so I know I'm a broken record here. Game shape and great shape are two different things. Chris Jones is in great shape, but we'll see how that translates to the actual game. Travis Kelsey is still up in the air. You know, We've heard that he's been progressing nicely, but what does that actually mean? What does that mean? We are still on the out. We have no idea when it comes to Travis Kelsey. Um, I like the Chiefs in this game. I guess three points is a it's a tough line. I don't know if I want to take or actually bet on this game. I've always been a huge fan of Jacksonville and Doug Peterson in particular. I think he's a damn good head coach. Um, I think Travis Etienne is going to give the Chiefs some fits uh just running the football and how explosive he is but what i will say is the chiefs defense played great without chris jones last week it wasn't this massive drop off they gave up mm -hmm. 14 points 14 points so um i think the chiefs win but i wouldn't bet on this game 
Yeah, I'm going to back the Jaguars in this one. If it was, if the line was still at two and a half, I was going to take the over, uh, but it snuck up to that magic number of three, a full field goal. So I'm going to take the Jaguars, but uh, very exciting game. I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other in this one. I'm just high on the Jaguars. I was high on them heading into the season. They looked really good in week one for the most part after a bit of a slow start. Uh, so I'm just going to keep riding them. Uh, AFC North battle Ravens Bengals Bengals three and a half point favorites at home after the stinker they put up against the Browns over under 46. Do you like the Bengals? Uh, no, I do not like the Bengals. I love the Ravens in this game. Give me the points easily. Um, Lamar Jackson didn't play great his first game back, but you saw a connection that he had with Zay Flowers. I think that's yep. going to grow. Um, just as the season progresses, I expect some big things from Lamar Jackson this year. So I'm going to go ahead and say I, I do not like the Bengals with the three and a half points at home, especially as you mentioned, that half point is a huge deal breaker for me. Yeah. Uh, again, the Bengals will be fine. But week two, that layoff, that layover, that hangover, if you will, still might be in effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I need to see the Bengals have a good offense performance can I, uh, before I can bet on them, especially laying three and a half points against a divisional opponent. I picked the Ravens to win the AFC North before the season started. Um, kind of hard to take too much away from them because they kind of did what they should have done against the Texans and kind of beat them handedly. So uh, this will be the first true test for them. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they perform. But yeah, like the Ravens in that one. Sunday night football, Dolphins, Patriots, despite the strong performance by the Dolphins in week one, still only two and a half point favorites uh, at New England for Sunday night football. Uh, does Mac Jones and the Patriots offense, do they have enough weapons to keep up with Tua, Tyreek Hill and the rest of the Dolphins offense? I say no. Yeah, I say no either. I actually love, love taking um, uh, taking Tua type low in the, in the Dolphins this game. I, I don't think the Patriots have much of a chance. I, I don't believe in Mac Jones. I know they had a fun little comeback, right? They, they, they made that game close. That ain't happening again. There's just not enough talent on the Patriots. I, I love Bill Belichick. Their defense is fine. But until they get legit wide receivers, weapons, and a quarterback, I just don't see how they can keep up with any team. Uh, yeah, I agree. This That to me is a no-brainer. you got to take the Dolphins. Um, Brown Steelers. So there's two Monday Night Football games. The first one is a stinker. I'll be watching it for the first hour while it's the only one on. It's the Panthers and the Saints. I mean, sure. they are two of my least favorite teams in the NFL. I don't care. I hope they both play to a draw and... I don't know. I just hope it's a disaster of a game. Uh, the second game, the final game for week two, I think is fairly interesting, though. The Browns against the Steelers. Uh, two AFC North matchups this week. Browns coming off a big win against the Bengals. Steelers trying to bounce back after getting embarrassed by the 49ers. Steelers two-point home underdogs over under 40 and a half. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is tough. Um, part of me thinks, how are the Browns favored? Part of me is thinking that, but also I saw what they did in week one. I don't know if this is an overreaction to what the Browns did and the dismantling of the Bengals and how the Steelers just did not look good. But part of me thinks this Steelers team is so talented. They they bounce back. Mike Tomlin's a damn good head coach. I see him bouncing back. My one concern is Kenny Pickett can get a little free with the ball, right? He, he can make some uh, mistakes. This Browns defense is electric. They're not the Jets, but they're really, really good. Do they force Kenny Pickett into a brutal day, two, three interceptions? If that's the case, Browns roll. Um, I almost want to go with the Steelers, though, because I, I do think and believe in the Steelers team overall as well as Mike Tomlin. Yes, I agree. I'm going to go with the Steelers. The My motto for week two is to underreact to everything that happened in week one. So I'm not going to put too much 
stock into what happened for both these teams in week one, but I will say the Steelers have some injury issues. Cam Hayward uh, is out. Uh, Deontay Johnson is out. So they're missing two key players uh, for Monday night against uh, the Browns. That's concerning, but also Deshaun Watson, uh, you mentioned earlier, yeah, the Browns won. Deshaun Watson did enough, but he did not play well. Completed like 55% of passes through an interception. Uh, going to be hard to continue to win games, especially by a wide margin if you're going to get continue to get bad quarterback play by Deshaun Watson. So uh, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Steelers in that one. Mm. Love it. Uh, let's get to picks. Sterling, uh, we crushed our picks in Week One. Uh, we would have combined five and one with our picks. Very close to a six and zero oh sweep. Uh, the only pick that didn't hit was your favorite total bet of the week. Titans Saints over forty one did not hit. That was a defensive slugfest. Uh, so just to recap how our picks did last week, we both hit our best spread bet, bet of the week. I hit Eagles minus four, got a little sketchy at the end there, but it cashes. You hit Ravens minus 10 pretty easily. Uh, favorite total bet, I hit mine, Panthers, Falcons under 39 and a half. Uh, your over bet with Titan Saints was the only loser for us this past week. But then most importantly, we both hit our upset picks. Rams two to one, crushed the Seahawks, and then Dolphins beat the Chargers in the game of the week. It's like we sometimes know what we're doing yes it makes it so much fun knock on why didn't i bet on the why didn't i use these bets when i was betting (laughs) should have uh so yeah let's see if we can uh let's see if we can have a repeat performance with our best bets for week two so favorite spread bet favorite total bet uh and then upset pick of the week i know you're interviewing dan reno before this so uh i don't know if you have picks ready sterling i might be putting you on the spot i'll give out my favorite spread bet uh, right away, it's the Ravens. Ravens plus three and a half. I think that's a no-brainer right now based on how the Bengals played in week one. Based on it seems like Joe Burrow needs some time to warm up. Um, and also, Bengals could be missing a guy on defense by the name of Jesse Bates. A guy who uh, is uh, wearing a version of the helmet I have behind me. A guy who uh, got two interceptions, in his day, uh, two interceptions in his debut with his new team. Uh, keep an eye out for that for that Bengals secondary could hurt them a little bit in this game. So uh, three and a half points in an AFC North matchup here. Uh, I will I will I love the Ravens plus three and a half. So that's my favorite spread bet. Do you have a favorite spread bet for us? Yeah, I'm actually going to go with. Well, that was actually my favorite, but I'm not going to double down because I feel like that's just um, yes, it's uncouth. Okay, yes, I'm a gentleman and I am not going to copy you, Ian. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Bears on the road. Oh, Tampa Bay is favored by three. Now, I know I said this whole thing about Justin Fields, and I don't know how much I believe in him. Yes. I don't think Tampa Bay is a good team at all. Three favorites at home. I just do not see it. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and say I'll I'll take the Bears with the three points on the road. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. I actually like the Bears in this game as well. Now, I bet on the Buccaneers last week, um, and I'm actually higher on the Buccaneers than I think most people are. But still, even though the Buccaneers won that game, They gained only 3.6 yards per play on offense, gave up 5.9 yards per play on defense. That's a net yards per play of minus 2.3. One of the worst marks in the NFL in week one, despite finding a way to win. Bears not good either, minus 1.1, but that's not nearly as bad as minus 2.3 when it comes to net yards per play. So getting three points, and generally, my uh, I generally follow a rule that when two trash teams play against each other, if one team is getting a field goal worth of points or more, I will take the team that's getting a field goal uh, or more. So that's uh, that's the Bears. So I, I I do actually like that pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to our favorite total bet of the week. Uh, 
kind of an interesting game, even though both teams stink, and that's the Colts-Texans, but interesting because it is a battle of rookie quarterbacks between C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. I actually love the over. Uh, total set at 40 for that one. I like the over. Both teams played against tough defenses in week one. Obviously, the Colts had to go up against the Jaguars. Texans had to go up against the Ravens. Now they both get much easier matchups. So even though both neither offense looked great, Texans only scored nine points against the Ravens. I think we might get a little bit of a quarterback duel here between the two rookies. I expect them both to take a step forward in week two. Relatively low total at 40. Uh, it's a toilet bowl of a game, so I just want to sit back and root for points. So I'll take the over 40 between Colts and Texans. I'm going to stick with the Bears and Bucks with the oh, under 41. Doubling up. Yeah, I'm doubling down. Okay, 41 and a half? No. Give yeah. me the under, okay? Yeah. Give me the under. I, I think we're seeing a 2017 Bears win. Like, yep. like I, I'm not seeing a ton in this game to make me believe that, oh, yeah, this is going to be a, a high-scoring affair. Uh, I like the under in this one. All right, let's uh, do upset of the week next. Uh, like I said, last week we both hit this. I had Rams over Seahawks. You had Dolphins over Chargers. I'm going Steelers to beat the Browns this one. Not a huge upset. They're only a two-point underdog, but a lot of small spreads generally in the NFL. Really, the only big uh, lines are Bills over Raiders, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take Raiders over Bills as eight-point underdogs or eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, and then Rams over 49ers. I'm not going to take the Rams to beat the 49ers. So I will take the Steelers to upset the Browns on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I actually like that one a lot. I think it's a really good pick right there. I, I like the Ravens on the road against the Bengals. I think the Bengals fall to 0-2. Again, I think the Bengals are a good team. They're going to be fine. But early on in the season, I would take the three and a half points in a heartbeat. And I actually like the Ravens winning outright in Cincy against the Bengals. Yeah, I consider taking that one uh, as well. But uh, I just I think it's going to be a close game. So I'll, I'll I really like I like it even more three and a half points. But yeah, that's a that's a solid upset pick there as well. Yeah, uh, Survivor, a little head to head Survivor uh, pool that we're doing here. Um, we both survived. You barely did though. I don't yeah, know if you were paying the, attention. The, 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 oh yeah. Oh, oh oh yes. The commanders made me so nervous. I yes. was sweating bullets. Yes. Uh, so you can no longer use the commanders. I picked the Ravens. That was kind of an easy one to advance. Um, who is your survivor pick for week two? Uh, this is tough for me. I'm using the bills. I didn't want to use the bills. I really didn't. But when I see they're playing the Raiders and the Raiders are two scoops of ass. I had no one to know Raiders. I oh, they sure are. They beat the- actually AFC West leading Raiders. AFC West, hang, hang that banner, baby. Yeah, hang fact. that banner. Um, but yeah, I like the Bills in this one. And I think this is a game where they they keep uh, keep them at an arm's length away. Now, it's the NFL. Parody is, is the name of the game. So I'm sure I will be wrong here. It's going to be close. I'll be sweating bullets yet again. But I do like the Bills to beat the Raiders. I was thinking about going, I was just, and I'm still for my actual like big survivor pools that I'm in. I'm deciding between the Bills and this other team. Um, and for the show, because you took the Bills, I'll go the other team for our head to head matchup. So we're not on the same side uh, to add in some excitement here. I'm actually going to take the Giants over the Cardinals as my survivor Ooh, pick. I like it. Um, no, Giants are a team that I don't, there's not many chances this season that I'm going to want to back them. So if I'm ever going to use the Giants all season in Survivor, now's as good of a time as any. And they got to bounce back after that terrible performance on Sunday night. I don't, and we talked with us earlier uh, when Mike was on the show, 
I think that game was just an example of every single thing that could have possibly gone wrong for the Giants went wrong. Uh, are they going to have as good of a record as they had last year? Probably not, but they're not as bad as they looked when they lost 40 to nothing to the Dallas Cowboys. So now they play the Cardinals, the worst team in the NFL. They got to have a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, I'm going to take the Giants. I'm going to use them up here early in the season. That's a good one. I, I, that, I, that was the other team I was deciding between because the Cardinals are just, just their yeah. cheeks, man. Um, and I am still pretty high on the Giants. I, I, I know that game from Daniel Jones was an absolute utter disaster. I mean, it looked like a guy who's never thrown a football before in his life. But let's be real. The pass rush of the Cardinals ain't doing what the Cowboys did. So, yeah, I think you and I are a little bit in agreement here. Yeah, I agree. I think those are probably going to be two of the more popular picks in survivor pools this week. Obviously, the 49ers over the Rams is another option, big favorite. Um, but based on how the Rams played last week, I have no interest taking uh, taking them. Uh, and pretty much that's, I mean, now that the Jets will be starting Zach Wilson, I mean, I guess the Cowboys would be a viable option. Seven hey, and a half point favorite hey, the Jets, but Stacy's mom has got it going on, baby. Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> Give me Zach Wilson all day. I wanted so bad Zach Wilson do in overtime just throw an absolute rifle just yeah. an absolute just an absolute beautiful touchdown to beat Josh Allen that would have been the ultimate do you have this on your bingo card go home NFL you're drunk week one so we've already talked um about the Jets obviously with Mike earlier on the show but Sterling I do want to get your quick thoughts uh it sounds like you want them to ride with Zach Wilson or would you rather them try to pick someone up maybe someone by the name of Matt Ryan maybe someone by the name of Philip Rivers maybe Mike brought it up, maybe trading for someone like Kyler Murray or Jameis Winston. If you were the general manager of the Jets, what do you do? Hey, I ride it out, baby. I ride All it right. out. I get it. Zach Wills is not a great quarterback, but he might be better than Matt Ryan at this point. Maybe he's more mobile behind that. I mean, the offensive line. Well, the offensive line is so bad. You have to have a semi-mobile quarterback. I'm not. I'm not trying to be making jokes here, but Matt Ryan's a statue. You're right. Mike brought up the same point. I mean, you have to be semi-mobile. I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't a, a, you know, running quarterback, but he's mobile pocket awareness. I I do think Zach Wilson, maybe Jameis Winston, because he's a little bit more mobile, but he doesn't really run either. Um, Honestly, you got to take that into account. And so all things being considered, I, I personally would probably ride Zach Wilson. There you have it. Ah, I love that the NFL is back. We already got a million storylines to watch and follow along. I'm already excited for week two. I can't wait. Starts Thursday night, Vikings and Eagles. Uh, Thank you all so much for watching the show. Please uh, like this video on YouTube. Subscribe to Stacking the Box YouTube channel. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please rate and review this podcast. And also, if you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, you are next up. Just hang around because you're going to hear the audio of Sterling's interview with Dan Marino from earlier today. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, go check out Stack in the Box YouTube channel. And uh, the uh, video version of that interview will be up uh, later today. So if you're watching this uh, later on on Tuesday, it might already be up. So go check it out there on the Stack in the Box YouTube channel. Sterling, any final thoughts? I will say Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. I feel for Rodgers, but I also brought up to Dan Marino. Dan Marino tore his, his Achilles in 1993. Okay. So he tore his in 1993. And then in 94, he actually ended up winning comeback player of the year. He still went on to win, uh, you know, a lot more games, have a, have a hell of a finish to his career. 
So I kind of brought up the the fact of what was that like for Dan? What should Aaron Rodgers expect? The mental side of this as well. Uh, I like Marino's answers and thoughts on this. So make sure you check that out because I thought that was pretty fascinating and just um, bad timing for Rodgers, but good time to get thoughts from, from Marino on this. For sure. Yeah. Great call out. Um, yeah. So if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the YouTube, the video version of that interview. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you're going to hear it here in 15 seconds. Uh, and also if you want to tail our picks or maybe fade our picks, maybe you think we're going to stink this week after going five and one last week, download DraftKings, use the code STB. And when you bet $5 in any sports, you'll get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code STB. Thank you all so much for watching. Uh, tune in tomorrow for the college football edition of the show with Reed and Cody. Uh, and Sterling and I will talk to you all next week. Sterling Holmes with Stack in the Box and Fan Sided. Joined now by former MVP, five time NFL passing yards leader, and NFL Hall of Famer Dan Marino. Dan, how you doing? Good, good, Sterling. I'm doing great, man. Just uh, enjoying life. Good. And I can tell you're enjoying life as you're coming out of retirement for your unretirement, this thing you're doing with Pepsi. I saw the commercial uh, during Monday Night Football. It was so fun. You, Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, a plethora of other NFL legends. Can you talk a little bit about this? Well, I mean, first of all, it's uh, it's a hilarious, hilarious commercial. Everybody did such a good job, you know, Pepsi and Frito-Lay and just uh, the whole concept. I love it. And uh, the unretirement thing is uh i think it's just funny it's funny seeing you know jerry and and emmett and and randy uh all of us just getting together and and having fun doing this commercial and you could tell you know the one thing for me is you could tell when guys you know enjoy it and love the products and all that that uh, it comes across and it, i think in this commercial it really comes across awesome yeah, I, I loved watching. I was laughing. I was on my couch cracking up. So I thought it was a really well done commercial. I do want to talk about your time playing before you came out of unretirement. You were ushering in a new era, a new style of football back in the day with your arm. Were you aware of all the records you were breaking at the time? And were you aware of the shift you were actually having on the NFL? You know, it's funny. It's uh, <clears throat> so it was my first couple of years and we, uh, we were just out there trying to win games, play, have fun, you know, get to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. <clears throat> that was our goal always. And uh, in that process of doing that and trying to win, we kind of just changed how people threw the football and how people perceived it and did some things that no one did for a long, long time. And uh, throwing for a lot of yards, breaking touchdown records and Mark Clayton breaking a touchdown record and all the things that we did in the team offensively was, you know, pretty special. So we were able to do things uh, beforehand, but it was all about in the process of winning. So, you know, I, I didn't think about it until after the fact, you know, while we were doing it, we weren't really thinking about it. And that's, you know, that's, that was that day and age. Now with the media and everything, they always, you know, they're look they're on top of it every week, every station has, well, this guy's throwing this much and he may break this record. So it's a little different now, but at that time we just did it and didn't think about it. Yeah. I, I always find the 5,000 yards you threw for in 1984, just in, incredibly impressive. Do you ever think that if you would have played in today's NFL, 
that 6,000 yard, that, that benchmark could have been achievable for you. I mean, you have the 17th game, more passer friendly, the rules a little bit more in your favor, especially with the defensive players, what they can and can't, can't get away with. Do you ever sure. think about that? Well, uh, I get that question a lot uh, and I don't have to prove it now. So I'll say, yeah, 6,000 yards, <laughs> easy, man, no problem. Uh, especially the extra game, all that. But, uh, you know, we were doing things differently and we, uh, we did things when the rules were different too. So that's what made it special. But, you know, I, I believe that the group I had, you know, that year that, you know, that we were doing that, we could have uh, done a lot just like we're doing then, or we did then when we would do it now. Yeah, I know this probably isn't the most enjoyable topic for you, but it did culminate with you winning comeback player of the year with the news of Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles. You actually had a torn Achilles. I believe it was a 1993 season for you. And then again, you, you came back and won comeback player of the year in 94. But can you talk about the the pain, the struggle and then ultimately the, the triumph of coming back after that? Well, I mean, it's first of all, you know, when it happens, it's frustrating because, you know, I'm sure and, you know, him being a true pro, Aaron Rodgers went through a lot this offseason to get ready and play and be, you know, a part of the Jets and what they're doing and trying to, to win. And uh, for him to get hurt on the first few plays, uh, it's devastating. It's, I'm sure it's devastating for him. It was for me. It was I think it was like game three or game four for me when it happened. Um but you can come back and you can be very good at what you do. And I'm sure Aaron will, if he wants to, will work very hard to come back and, and play again. But he, uh, you know, he's been a special player. Uh, it's a shame because there was a lot of buildup for this year for him and for the league and the Jets and everybody. So feel bad for him. But just, you know, to let him know that, you know, it's possible to come back and, and have a, you know, continuing a great career. How hard was it trusting your your Achilles, your your feet, your legs once you come back from an injury like that? I can't imagine it's easy. You have 300 pound dudes chasing after you and you're sitting here going, I hope this does not pop again. You've gone through the struggle, the the ultimate triumph of coming back. What is that like? Well, the the rehab is the biggest part is rehabbing the right way. It's very tedious when you rehab an Achilles because it's slow process. You know, it usually takes almost a year to come back from that. And uh, it was like that for me too. And it actually, mine actually didn't heal the right way. It got elongated. So I had to play for whatever, five more years, six more years without being able to go up on my toe. That's why I wore that boot, that whole thing, if you look back and see it. But it's uh, the way they probably handle that now is probably differently. And I'm sure Aaron will come back strong if he wants to play again. Yeah. You played for one team your entire NFL career. To me, that is just so incredibly impressive. And it's just so rare, especially in today's NFL. I mean, you see guys who you never thought would leave. Tom Brady, obviously, is the prime example of this. Going from the Patriots to Tampa Bay. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers, a, pay, or a uh, Green Bay Packer for life a jet how impressive was it for you was it always your mindset to stay with the dolphins your entire career or was it just a situation of once you were there that long you go you know what this is where i'm at i'm not going to risk a good thing um <clears throat> no i really thought about playing other places there's no doubt because football's in your blood and it's in your blood even today i mean i'm way older and uh, i still get that juice that feeling when i'm in a stadium and 
And, uh, you know, we were talking about the unretirement thing with the commercial and the fun part of that. And it's, you know, it's joke and it's a commercial, but, you know, you still, you know, there was times where I thought about that myself and, uh, it's just part of it. But at the time I played 17 years, I felt like, you know, it's, it's, it was time to retire, although I had chances to go other places and, and yes, I'm a dolphin for life. So same way. Yeah. I've always wanted to ask you this because I always find this one of the most fun plays, one of the most iconic plays you ever did. That's the fake spike, right? One, did you know going into that exactly what you're going to do? Did you know when you got in that situation, the fake spike was going to happen? Or was it more of a off the cuff type of move that you did? Uh, And then two, why don't teams, the NFL do this more? I've always been perpetually uh, confused why teams don't catch the defenses off guard more in these fake spike situations. Yeah, um, well, this is something that I give Bernie Kozar credit came from Cleveland, and it was his idea, actually. And we would practice it. We'd practice it in two minutes and end of game situations and <clears throat> end of half situations. And uh, it, it just was the perfect, perfect timing for us to use the fake spike against the Jets in that situation. And and uh, we threw a touchdown and made all those fans go home unhappy. And uh, that felt really good. But uh, it was something we did practice. We thought about, and it wasn't just at the spur of the moment. We we always think about things when you always have to think about the circumstances, situational football, and all that. Are you surprised you don't see it more in today's NFL? Because I'm shocked. I, I you never see that. You no, know, I think they. Uh, I think they might have changed the rule. I don't need. I'll be honest with you. I don't know exactly, so I can't give you a perfect answer <laughs> on that one. But I think they might have changed the rule where you're not really allowed to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I will say, as I sit here in Kansas City, it's hard not to draw some parallels from your game to Patrick Mahomes. What are your thoughts on Mahomes in general, what he brings to the table and just how he plays the game? Patrick is uh, obviously an incredible player. And, you know, you wanted to compare him to my game. I mean, I feel like I could I was capable of throwing similar to how he throws, but he is an athlete. He throws from different arm angles which a lot of great quarterbacks can do. And uh, he's just an incredible competitor. So, yes, amazing player. I love asking former NFL greats this question. A little different now is you are a quarterback. For for Emmitt Smith, it's who did he want to have block for him? For you, if you could have one current receiver in the NFL to throw to in your prime, who would it be? Current receiver? It would be Tyreek Hill. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fun to watch you and Tyreek. (laughs) Hands down. See, again, another Mahomes and Dan Marino parallel. He had Tyreek. Now now you want to throw to Tyreek. But I have to unretire. You got to unretire. You get back to the commercial. (laughs) Hey, Pepsi's trying, man. They're trying to get you to unretire here. Uh, Who who are your top favorite or your top five favorite players to watch currently in the NFL? You know, you get your juices flowing Uh, watch them. Top five favorite to watch. I mean, that's hard. I mean, it's, you know, obviously I'm, uh, you know, a fan of football in general and I do stuff for the Dolphins. So all the Dolphin players, like, you know, our guys, our special players like Waddle and and, and Tyreek and, and and our guys to uh, and that. And uh, so I enjoy watching them mostly. Do you play fantasy football? Like no. when you retire from the game, you don't do it. I was about to ask, because you, you get the juices flowing. I, I don't know if you have that same sort of um, 
irrational yeah. fandom when you when you play fantasy football where it's just so irrational. You're sitting here going, why don't you catch uh, 12, 12 catches for three touchdowns every single game? It's irrational, but we as fans who play fantasy football expect that. I, I didn't know if you former NFL greats ever played fantasy football. Uh, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I haven't because at times I just I'm, I don't want to take the time to think about who I'm picking and who I'm taking on. I mean, I just don't want to do it. So uh, I, I don't play, but I appreciate the people that do because it's great for the game. It's great for the fans to be involved on different levels because it's not just about who wins or loses. It's about, you know, all the statistics, but at the same time, it is about who wins and loses. Yeah. When you look back at your illustrious NFL career, what are you most proud of? I mean, you have so many accolades, so many awards, Walter Payton, man of the year, things on and off the football field. What are you yeah. most proud of? You know, I think that, uh, you know, statistics and uh, and all the things, you know, the awards, I mean, getting in the Hall of Fame is so, so special. And I, I really, to me, I think it's being, it was, you know, being a good teammate and knowing that I'm going to line up every week and play for them and play for the fans and play for myself. And I could be there and be counted on each and every week, you know, to, to be that guy, to be your franchise quarterback, you know, proud of that and do it for 17 years. Those, those are the things. And obviously, you know, getting in the hall of fame. And you got into the hall of fame, you're drafted at 27th overall, right? And there's been a little bit of talk about the guys drafted before you. How much did you use that as motivation? Um, you know, there, that was there. I mean, that was a long time ago, 20, you know, motivation. I mean, I was motivated just to really be, be the best I could be, especially at a young age. Um, but also I, I felt like I was capable of being the first pick in a draft or, a lot higher. I mean, that was how I felt, but that's not how other people felt. And that was fine to me. It was about just getting there and getting an opportunity and playing and you prove yourself. And uh, to a certain extent, um, yeah, I guess there was a little bit. Yeah. Prove the fact that, you know, you picked me 27th and I should have been higher. And, but it was a perfect situation for me coming in with Don Shula, a team that was in a Super Bowl and all that. So yeah, it was good. <laughs> Again, one more time, you're doing this ops, this awesome Pepsi commercial, Unretirement, with all these legendary players. For everyone listening, make sure you go pick up some Pepsi products to watch your favorite team play. But I do have to say, you are a natural actor. Did you get some <laughs> of those chops, those acting chops from uh, from from the uh, old Ace Ventura movie? <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. No doubt that, uh, you know, I use all those skills from Ace Ventura for you know, Pepsi Frito-Lay commercial where we're unretiring and deal. And, and I was trying to help out Jerry and Randy, you know, and, and Emmett, uh, some of the tips that I learned from Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> How just, I've always wondered, because when I grew up, I also grew up watching that movie. I thought Jim Carrey was just absolutely hilarious. One of my favorite movies as a kid. How fun was it to make that movie? It was a lot of fun, actually. and. Uh, originally when I did, I read the script, I was like, this is kind of stupid and I don't really want to do it. And then, and got a chance to meet the, all the people that were involved. And I'm like, Hey, let's have fun and take a shot and see what happens. And it turned out to be, uh, you know, special that a lot of people have watched over the years. And, uh, I enjoyed doing it and, uh, proud of it. 
and now parlayed it into a Pepsi unretirement commercial. There you go. Forget yeah. the NFL Hall of Fame career. It's all about that Ace Ventura movie. That's what it really what it really was. Well, I actually think it was my best work. And uh, so with that and also some of my best work was our unretirement commercial. Yes. Uh, NFL Hall of Famer, MVP, and Walter Payton Man of the Year, actor as well, Dan Marino. <laughs> Dan, really appreciate it.